0: Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com and the movement GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on toginet.com. What's the Most
1: Difficult relationship in your life right now. Well, do I really have to answer that? <laughs> are you not in the mood to, to be transparent this morning? Well, um... Not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got to tell you, speaking of transparency. I'd rather you be transparent. <laughs> I'm going to. I have to tell you about my day yesterday, which um, it seriously, just thinking about it makes me laugh. Because, as you know, I, I was speaking yesterday and I, I happened to be, the majority of, of the class was men and as i was standing up there first of all you know you you already acknowledged my cute shoes that you, i was you very do very have very, very cute
2: on. shoes on today
1: <laughs> and they're they're cream with this really cute Coral bow that goes around, and anyway, so I, I was I was wearing these shoes, and it, you know, my little I'm feeling coral pretty jacket, proud of yourself. I have to admit, yes, being transparent um, in a very humble way. Yes, uh, my little coral jacket. So I'm standing up there in front of class, and I'm, I'm really into this moment of explaining, you know, this whole lesson. And all of a sudden, my my cute little high heel shoes they rub on the tile, just in that you know that that noise that just hits it in such a way that it might sound like you're tooting.
2: (laughs) Yes. And then you have a self-conversation with yourself going, did anybody else hear that? Because you're like, wait, did I, did I
1: hear that? Did I just feel the vibrations of the shoe? Is that, but I'm still in the moment of like talking in front of the class. So I, I kind of ignore it, and it's one of those that you have to claim it. You have to go, okay. I just have to say that was my shoe, but then people beyond the first couple rows would have no idea what you're talking about. So you,
2: so it's <laughs> that it's that dilemma. Do I claim it or do I just keep going on? It's
1: horrible. It's it, yeah. like consumed the rest of my class. Like I, so anyway, I saw these two guys kind of look at each other like that seconds afterwards and kind of chuckle or giggle and. Then I wanted to go, no, it wasn't me. It's not what you think. It consumed me. My yeah. entire class was ruined. So then what happened is I it was actually kind of a chilly you know, room, but I started sweating profusely. It, I, like, I
2: have to ask you, was it a deodorant day for you?
1: Yes. Okay. I, I actually deodorant. had
2: deodorant on, but I was wearing this
1: coral jacket, and I'm thinking – I I can't look to see if I have this huge sweat mark, but I can feel it. And sure enough, at the end of class when I looked down, I I had that huge sweat mark. But I was aware of it, so you know how you keep your arms down? My whole class
2: was ruined. It just consumed me because of these cute high heels. You know what I like about that story is because I can only imagine you walking in there very confident, feeling so good about these cute little shoes, this coral jacket, you're pretty proud. You're you're strutting like a little peacock, and then all of a sudden your world kind of – that was a good story, and I like when, when you're transparent, so you can do that any time. <laughs> you're a mess. I know. Okay, before we get too far into our show, which we've gotten way too far into I our know, show. I know, way too much information. Too. You are listening to Girlfriend It Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships, and we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, um, today, not to start out on a
1: negative note, but our first guest has been criticized for writing a book that bashes men, so we are intrigued to hear her side of the story. She wrote the book, What I Wish My Mother Had Told Me About Min. She's a mom of three children, wife and best friend to her husband, Greg. She is also a John Maxwell certified coach, trainer, and speaker, which last week we had an awesome story about John Maxwell's book that we won't get into now. No. But she writes, produces, and hosts a weekly broadcast with um, For Your Inspiration, and she's also the founder of FYI and his love extended ministries. So welcome, Julie Gorman. How are you today? How are you?
3: I'm doing fantastic and you know what's great about radio is you can't tell if you're sweating or not (laughs) but Patty Lisa seriously thanks yeah thanks so much for having me on the broadcast
2: well we we are very excited to have you with us and 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 just to share and glean from you and because we're kind of talking about difficult relationships and relationships which is always a challenge for all of us and um just in life and how we handle navigate through them and It is apparent in your writings that you are called to help in seeing that marriages, especially marriages, are restored and that hearts are being mended. So we would love for you to share with us how you became so passionate about this topic of relationships.
3: Mm, You know, you talked about transparency at the beginning and loved your story, by the way, so fun. I, I can tell you so many moments of life that would surround around relationships, but I think the thing that made me passionate about being transparent and about sharing my journey really came back to my husband. I, I used to play church and play it well, mm-hmm. and I would put on a face and, and be exactly what everybody else wanted me to be, but my husband is is quite the opposite. What you see is what you get, and what I realized is that through authenticity, that's where people see the real redemption of Christ in our life. And so God began to work in me, heal a lot of areas. I came from an extremely dysfunctional upbringing, um, and all of those things shaped a a lot of really bad decisions, but through the grace of God, he reached out to me. He, uh, has blessed me now in my marriage with a, a fantastic friend. He, um, has healed those areas. But you know, the thing that I did is, um, When God began to deal with me to write this book, can I just tell a real short story of of how this book came about? Would that be all right?
1: Stories. We love stories. Hit it.
3: Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, when God begins to deal with your heart to share maybe stories that you didn't want to tell, um, my agent came to me three separate times, asked me to write what I wish my mother told me about men. And I kept saying, nope, nope, nope. And he said, well, would you pray about it? So I did. And then the next, after I realized God wanted me to write this, I realized he wanted me to write about some really uh, transparent parts of my life that I wasn't so sure I wanted the world to know about. And what happened in that time of writing, in that process of writing, he took me to the woman with the issue of blood. And there's a, in that story, it talked about how she reached in, she touched Jesus, she got her healing. And when Jesus insisted that someone had touched her, what happened is, as everyone was denying it, but then there's this obscure little passage in Luke chapter eight that said, when the woman realized she couldn't go unnoticed, she came forward and told all that had happened to her. And in my prayer, as I was saying, God, find somebody who's more funny, somebody who's more talented, somebody who wasn't as jacked up as me. I felt like what God was whispering into my heart and impressing in my mind was this central thought. He said, Julie, when people realize how far I ran to rescue you, they'll find hope for your soul. And Mm -hmm. I knew like that woman, I needed to come forward and not just tell the fun parts, not just tell the great stories, but to share the parts that I wasn't proud of because in that, I believe women will find hope for their soul as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's hard to do. It's hard to, uh, to expose that. It's it's better to just. I mean, you feel like it's better to just leave that in a in a another closet. Somewhere. Well, it's
2: it's easier to create the image and the perception what we want people to see. And and I'm fine, thank you. Mm-hmm. And and really, below the surface, we are we're dying inside. We're having a little meltdown. But there is freedom once you expose that that darkness, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and and bring out, and, and there's that healing. And then others can go, me too, mm-hmm. with that. And it just opens mm-hmm. up right. conversation that we can really be real with each other. And that that has been the, I don't know if it was a generational thing. I know when, like with our moms and stuff, you never really went there. Mm-hmm. And you never really went below the surface. Right. And so we've kind of come out going, you know, we need to talk about some of these things. And so they, have you found, what kind of response have you found as you start opening up and sharing your story, just the, the realness of it?
3: Oh, unanimously, Patty, Lisa, the, the thing that has happened, I don't think I was quite prepared at how much God would use this message to bring hope and healing. You know, and it, and it doesn't matter if, if you share the same background that I shared. My, my background was really extreme, and hopefully most people haven't experienced that. But what, what unanimously, young old, married, single, I'm getting letters constantly saying this book, this message is transforming my life. And and I know that has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the grace and the mercy that God extended to me. He's beginning to extend to others. And the practical steps, the things, the steps that I took towards healing are applying to their life regardless of where they're at. And I'm just so grateful that he's using that message to bring restoration and hope. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Julie, we just have a, a couple minutes before we go to on the commercial break. Do you mind just sharing one of those stories that uh, that you have been able to, um, you know, go there in your book?
3: Oh, I, yeah, I'd love to. You know, I think one of the things that I struggled with was I judged all men by a handful of broken ones. And what I began to realize is that, you know, I started out on a pendulum where I hoped all men would be my knight in shining armor. They'd never let me down. And then I, I began to think, well, that's, that's not working so well, so I think I'll change him. I'll, I'll control him. That also didn't work to the point that I, I went to the extreme that I thought all men were the enemy. And in my father's passing, uh, one of the things that took place is I stood beside his, his casket and God gave me a beautiful picture of my son, which was really strange. You know, I just immediately thought of my son. And it wasn't a visual thing. It was just in my head. But I, I could see so p- clearly my son's face. And what I believed in that moment was was God was showing me that one time my dad was a young boy just like my son. And he had aspirations and hopes. He had dreams that were certainly higher than uh, skewing his perception or or his daughter's perceptions of what men would be. And, and certainly the things that he did were not right. And in that, there was such a place of healing. And one of the things the book does is that it it approaches of who the true enemy is and puts um, steps towards healing, steps towards forgiveness of maybe some of those uh, men in our life that haven't measured up to what we needed them to measure up. But the central truth that permeates every single chapter um, was what God was showing me again, is that he is our father that he loves us passionately, he fights for our affection, and only he can satisfy those longings of our soul. And so I was able to, just again, a whole nother finality of saying, I forgive you, Daddy, because I realized the brokenness that spilled out on him spilled out onto me, but that that it was propagated by somebody uh, far more devious than my dad. It was the true enemy of our soul, and how we can refute those lies and press in to the one who gives us the hope, for our future and the hope for our relationships.
2: Well, there is a lot that you just said that is so, so true. And, and looking at going into another person's story and understanding their story is so significant. Well, as the founder of For Your Inspiration and His Love Extended Ministries, Julie's passion is to minister to the whole person. She is committed to binding up the brokenhearted and empowering and equipping believers for ministry. We're going to take a break and we're going to be right back. I were in youth ministry and knew
1: nothing about church planning. but as we felt God leading us to start a new church we were connected with stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in
3: Cleveland Ohio that's transforming lives and we couldn't have done it without stadia.
0: Stadia
2: brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories? The people behind their masks, The truth about people's failures and redemptions? in both their business and personal lives. Then Off the Record, Secrets of, with host Judy Schreiner, is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show. On com, And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Well, we are back with our special guest, author Julie Gorman. And in her book, What I Wish My Mother Had Told Me About Men, Julie dissects the distorted view of men and relationships that women carry as a result of their yearning to feel loved. Um, just uh, to be safe and to have, they have that longing that can only be filled with our creator. And Julie, it's it, just even um, hearing your passion, Lisa and I are actually speaking this weekend at a winter camp, um, and we get the privilege of talking about sex to a bunch of junior high and high school girls. So uh, <laughs> it's one of those, you know, just, uh, as we're preparing for this message and, and praying, um, this is what it comes down to. As women, we're just yearning for that to, to feel loved. And so many times it's like, how do you, we keep saying that we want to talk about, you know, staying pure. And this is a fa- fabulous gift for your husband. But you can say that until you turn blue. They need to know why. Why am I waiting? Why mm. this is this so important? and um it's we you want this magic formula to be able to um, share that with the girls and it's it 's really hard um to come up with that magic formula hmm.
2: well, Julie, what you um would just go into your, because you talk about a lot of myths and and this is such a touchy subject with so many. Women, because like you said, it goes back to our, our father figures, our lives, and different men, and we kind of get distorted. We don't even know what is true and what is, what is a, a lie. And we tend to rely on a man to give us our self worth. You mm-hmm. see this a lot in our, and hear it a lot in the conversations. Sure. With us. Why is it, let's just ask the question. Why is it dangerous for a woman to believe that she can change? Because uh, you hear this so many times. I'm in a, they're in a dysfunctional, unhealthy relation, dating relationship. They're getting engaged and a woman thinks I'm going to change him once we get married. Why? Well,
3: yeah. They- yeah. You, you know, you're talking about so many things that are, are pertinent again, not just for teenagers, not just for the, the single that, you know, but, but into the, the marriage we have this desire to um, see the potential in somebody, and so, you know, specifically speaking to a single woman, we see the potential of a man, and we want to be that, uh, the, be the one who helps him reach his potential, right? And, and so that's the temptation, and, and the if we're not careful, what we do is we were designed, I believe, as women, as a helpmate. So it's in us. There's a hard wiring that desires to be a a source of completion. The problem is, is when we step over the line of being a helpmate to trying to be maybe more put a savior. And no one can do that. We can't change the heart of another human being. And when we live in that role, we're going to either, A, be disappointed, or, B, we're going to sabotage our relationships because we're always expecting something more than what that person is really willing to get. And so it sabotages our relationships. It, it, it causes a wedge. Um, and if nothing else, typically what happens, we know this, is as women, if if we make concessions and we don't hold up the values, it's not wrong to want affection. It's not wrong to want relationship. God created us for that. The problem is is when we get in a rush and we begin to, um, I'll speak from personal experience. you know, I was so desperate to be in love. I was so in love with the idea of being in love. I married the first person that came along. And it was a disaster. You know, it ended in divorce. And there was a lot of heartache and further damage that went along with it. So our job isn't to be searching for Mr. Right. Our job is to seek after our Savior. And in that, allow him to bring at just the right time the person that he designed for us.
2: Well, and and a good point. And a lot of times you see women that are in a very they themselves are in a very unhealthy needy state looking for a man to provide that security. And so in mm. that state, they're looking for a man. So they attract an unhealthy person. If you're in an, right. if you're in a state yourself, you attract an unhealthy person and, and it just kind of perpetuates that. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your book. You address the lies that we believe about men. So what are some of the truths that women should really embrace and believe?
3: Yeah, the central truth, and we touched on it, is that only God can satisfy that longing of our soul. Um, And it's not until we truly know who he says that we are that we're ready for a relationship. You know, the the risk, in other words, unless we know who God says we are, we risk that temptation of allowing other people or other things to define us. And so the central truth, um, you know, man, men are for celebrating Um, the central truth is that God loves us passionately. The central truth is that they aren't the enemy, um, that they are deserving of the same love, acceptance, and forgiveness that God has extended to us. But the problem comes is, you know, sometimes, I mean, we know that, right? I mean, there's no shockers there. We know all of those central truths. The problem is is that gap that exists in life, and, and probably the largest gap is that gap that exists between knowing and doing. So how do we live that out? How do we live out the truth that only God satisfies our heart? How do we step forward to be able to love a man unconditionally while not being a doormat? And that's some of the things that the book addresses. It it talks about stepping forward into a, a more vital living relationship with with God and living to that audience of one. Yeah.
2: Well and, and this is we 're excited about this book, even to pass on because we work with so many women of, of all ages, and you have these conversations quite quite often and women don 't even know if, if you 've come from a certain background or certain relationships in your life you don 't even know what a healthy relationship looks like and and even mm-hmm. having a man we say be the spiritual leader we say that you know even within the church and They don't even know what that looks like or what that should be like. And what is the role of a man in your life? And what they've had modeled is not that. And you tend to think what you have lived with or grown up with is normal. Or exactly what you said,
1: Julie, where um, sometimes submission, they see it as, oh, I have to be the the doormat. They don't see it as submission the way right. that it's explained biblically. It's uh well I guess this is I'm just supposed to take it because that's the godly thing to do. And it's, right. it's very
3: warped. Mm. Very warped. Well and and that's where one of the things that the book does, uh it, it, it's really it's not just my story. These are stories from other very brave women who came forward and and shared their junk, too, if you will, but also the victories that they experienced and the things that God had them put in place. And, again, you don't have to be all messed up for the book to be be applicable because the truth is every single one of us, young, old, married, single, you know, it doesn't matter. We all have what I call is that God vacuum. It's that place in our soul that we long to be seen. We long to know somebody and to have them know us fully again it comes back to though of of who do we say who is it that we believe god thinks we are how does he describe us what does god think about me uh, and, and so what the book does is it brings us to a place of sometimes we don't even know what thinking needs to be changed like you said you know that there are times where we don't realize the faulty paradigms that we carry so by taking the word of god and then also taking very practical steps questions that we can ask ourselves we can begin to see if we have some faulty paradigms. And so the way the book opens up, it says, what do I believe God thinks about me? Mm -hmm. How does God describe me? And as much as um, we'd like to say that maybe we contemplate things like that, we probably don't. We live in a busy, busy time. And so the book is very intentional about getting us to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, and begin to really enter into a a vital relationship where um, we get to begin to change Not only how we think, but how we feel, because as we change the way we think, as we allow God to define us instead of what society says is the norms, that's when we become more healthy and then we're able to fully embrace and extend that same love, forgiveness, and acceptance to others.
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What Patty and I, so many times as you go through life and you just have these experiences and we just chuckle and we'll go, okay, that is a story we can't tell because it involves either a family member or somebody. And you don't want to put anybody in a bad light, but sometimes our best stories are, are stories we can't tell. And and you talk, not that they're bad, but you just don't want to, you know, you don't want to hurt anybody sure. or make them feel weird. And so you have written a little bit about your family and the dynamics. What has been the reaction from your family members about this book and you just being transparent?
3: Yeah, the the great thing is, is that, you know, I think that the, the central part of telling a story when it involves other people is to talk about our part. Um, you know, I share some of the struggles that I shared in um, my first marriage and what caused the demise of that, but I don't tell his stuff. I talk about how uh, the things that I struggled with couldn't live with his stuff. I talk about the, the things that were from my paradigm of the way that I thought, the way that I, I, I shaped my own beliefs. And I think that's kind of the key is to focus not on what they did, but maybe the perceptions or the things that we felt, the things that we thought. And the good thing about this this whole story, too, is it's written from a place of healing. It's not a place of new healing even. You know, I had to go back to even think about what did I used to struggle with? What were those things? God has so redeemed my heart and my mind that it was hard to remember some of those areas. So I had to go back and revisit some really painful places and allow God to remind me of what my mind used to be like, what my mind used to struggle with. And so I think because it's been such a long season, it was the right season. And my family has, actually, I think my mom's the biggest endorser, though at first she kind of snickered at the title and said, really? You know, everybody's going to think, I'm like, mom, it's not about you. It's so totally about me. (laughs) And after reading it, she began to see and understand that while our God is a gracious, loving, amazing God that ran to rescue me even when I was making really bad decisions, even when I didn't know how to, that the key to changing the way I felt was changing the way I I thought. I I didn't give men the best, Uh, I didn't remember them. Like Ralph Waldo Emerson says, every man deserves to be remembered by his best moments. I didn't give them that grace. Mm-hmm. But through the process of God's spirit, through the healing power of his word, and through some really great practical steps, I was able to move towards that and I believe embrace a relationship as God intended.
2: Well, we just so appreciate you, Julie, taking your time to join us and for all that you're doing to inspire mm-hmm. and to encourage and I love that quote. women and healthy relationships and you know, basically what you're saying, only God can validate our worth, and healthy relationships begin with our, with our healthy relationship with God. That is the bottom line. Again, we want to thank you for joining our show. And quickly, in just a few seconds, how can our listeners find out more information about you? Yeah, they can go to
3: juliegorman.com. Um, they can pick up a copy of the book pretty much wherever books are sold, which is, makes it really easy and convenient. If they do go to my site, um, I'll actually give them 12 complimentary videos that go along with it.
2: Well, thank you for joining us. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back.
0: This is Girlfriended on TuggyNap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriendit.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these.
2: We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a -a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc.
0: Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show, on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa.
1: Hey, this is Vanessa Hutchins. Be sure to check out my new movie, Gimme Shelter, only in theaters. Well, thanks, Vanessa Hutchins. Um, this is definitely a must-see movie. As you know, uh, I, I was able to take Paris to go see the premiere of Gimme Shelter, and I would highly recommend... Uh, she. Vanessa, you got cut off there, but it was uh, January 24th is the beginning of this movie. And like I said, I, I just really highly recommend this is a movie that you can go with And we families. love
2: when we get the opportunity to really endorse, you know, great resources mm-hmm. for families and for women such as this. So it, it's, it's fun to do that.
1: Uh, and our next guest is best-selling author Deb D'Armond, and she is an international speaker, is known for her ability to engage an audience in a manner consistent with her tagline, Touching the Heart with Humor and Truth. Well, as a professional coach, Deb's experience of 25-plus years has focused on helping others achieve success in their relationships at, at home and at work. Her book, Related by Chance, Family by Choice, which I, I have to say, you, you actually say that quite often, and I, I, I've learned a lot about that, that little quote there, okay. um, provides tools to build, repair, or enhance the relationships between two women... Who love the same man, mothers and the girls who marry their sons. So welcome Deb
2: to our show.
4: I'm so glad to be with you today. Thanks.
2: Well, well, Deb, this is Lisa, and I, I love the title. Like Patty said, we talk about you know the dynamics of families and that we don't always choose our families, but you know, we kind of create our own families sometimes. And this topic of mother and daughter-in-law, I do have a son that's that's been married and I absolutely, one of those very blessed, fortunate ones because Michelle, my daughter-in-law, is one of my closest friends. And I just remember going into that when, you know, my son got married and I thought, I am not going to be that mother-in-law mm-hmm. that is, um, it, you know, steps in when she's not wanted and that projects my own opinions on things. And so I've really tried to be careful that. And I'm not saying I always succeed because you'll Actually, have to get their opinion of it.
1: <laughs> Actually, from my perspective, I see, I, I've learned a lot from you on – um just how successful you have been with that, because you engage on that friendship level, not as a mother-in-law, but truly just being there as a friend. And I, I see uh, Michelle continuously asking you to come over there, even even down to giving the, the grandkids, you know, baths and story time, all of that. And um, just being a part of their life in that way, where I know a lot of daughter-in-laws would be like, no, I'm not inviting my mother-in-law over <laughs> because, I don't want them here. Yet alone to give baths and do story time and and all of that. So it's it's so fun when you can see the relationships. When it well. really
2: it really it's a great when it works and it's good. It is it's mm. such a blessing and such an honor and it is so fun. I do have tons of fun with my kids mm-hmm. and they like you said you start seeing them as your friends too yeah. and you enjoy that relationship and that camaraderie and you know Michelle and I both share the love for coffee and doing things so we find that commonality. We just are girlfriends mm-hmm. together, but. That, I mean, we know that that is not always the case. That is not necessarily common. And sometimes, you, you know, you just, you can't help it. You just Sometimes there's a personality tension or, or differences, and you have to work through it. So when you're talking about this subject, Deb, Deb, the mother and daughter-in-laws, what really is the problem in these relationships?
4: Well, I think part of the problem is that it's a little bit of a turf war. Um, if you've invested, you know, 20, 25, 30 years in raising that little tiny baby into a fine young man, and someone else comes along and takes him away from you, it it feels a little bit like Grand Theft Auto, and especially if that mother-in-law wasn't really prepared in her heart uh, for that eventuality. I think one of the real secrets for me is that having three sons, I was really aware very, very early in their lives that I was never intended to be the most important woman in their life. That spot God had reserved for the women that they'd marry. With that knowledge, I prayed over them every single day. Lord, bless them today. Encourage them. And, and the woman that you've chosen for their wives, Lord, uh, encourage her today. Protect her today. Grow her up strong in the Lord today. And so if you pray that for, you know, 20 years, when that woman shows up, it's an answer to your prayer, and it's a joyful moment. It's not a, oh, brother, here comes the competition kind of mm-hmm. kind of moment. But I do think that young women also sometimes come to the relationship, maybe having seen friends or older sisters struggle with their mother's-in-law, and certainly the media is no help in in giving us yeah. a very positive picture of the relationship. And she comes in kind of guarded and wary, and every crook of the eyebrow or clear of the throat is interpreted in a way that that mother-in-law may never have met. So we just need better press uh, to begin with, and then we need to be real clear about what the Lord has to say about what these relationships are really supposed to reflect.
2: Well, you you said a couple things and made some couple great distinctions because it, like you talk about the turf war, and when you're going into it, because I I know Patty and I both share this because her she has a son, you know, older kids too that are not quite married, like or twenty. And we talk about this because you do pray for the future spouse of your kids, even when they're young. I literally remember walking on the beach, like six months pregnant, walking by myself when we were there, when I was carrying my son and praying for his future wife. Mm -hmm. And so you're you're absolutely, by the time they do this, you're like, this woman has been so prayed over and so prayed for. This really is a gift from God. And then the other thing is, is understanding your role. That's what Patty and I see so many times with women. They don't understand their role. It's like you raise your son to be independent, to be this godly man, the spiritual leader and to take his wife. And you know that at that point there is an exchange and you, you take a step back Mm -hmm. and there's this new woman that has really captivated his heart. And that's how it should be. And I, that's a great distinction that you make on, on under that we need to, as, as moms understand Mm -hmm. our role, what it is and what it isn't. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could I could not agree with you more. I think that I think that women who have invested their lives in their children and and have nurtured them and fed them and spiritu- both spiritually and physically and and cared for them and watched them grow, if they've not built anything else into their lives when their children begin to become adults, they really struggle. the The thing that they majored in was momming, and they're still mom. It's just not done in the same way. That level of involvement is never going to be um, very welcome. When when our children marry, we are invited guests. We are guests yes. in their marriage and guests in their lives. There, there's a story in the in the uh, book about my daughter-in-law, the first one uh, who came to us, Sarah. And we were in the coffee shop one day, and she said, you know, Mom, one of the things I appreciate about you so much is that you don't have an opinion about absolutely everything we do in our lives. Girls, I almost fell off the chair laughing because, of course I do. I'm just mm -hmm. not entitled to give it to them unless they ask or or if I feel the Spirit of the Lord prompting me. Mm -hmm. And, And that's hard. I think a lot of moms feel, hey, I've been invested in this young man a long time, and I'm entitled to say whatever occurs to me, and that's just not—that's just not the plan. It's not the role.
1: Well, and, and so many times, your vision as a mother-in-law um, can saturate. Uh, I, I know for in my own personal life, my my mother-in-law, who uh, she's no longer with us, but I, I absolutely adored her, and I know she prayed. I mean. When when she passed away, I just thought, wow, we just lost a, yeah, an amazing yeah. prayer warrior. But yeah, um, yeah. as much as she just loved me so much, her vision of um, going to church, uh, we would go up. Yeah. They had a cabin, and we would go up to her cabin on the weekends. And and by that point, between doing ministry and you know working, doing everything, you you kind of wanted a time of just solace and. And rejuvenation, and uh, she would come in and say, Now you guys are going to church, right? <laughs> and you felt horrible. Yeah. And she'd come back, and she would read you the bulletin board from church or the what was the, what bulletin. It, the bulletin? Yes, the
4: bulletin, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and read you all, About the, all the
4: things you had missed. Yes, yeah. yes, very subtly, <laughs>
1: very subtly. And I remember, well, I, think, I think it's well, I just
4: remember being very even human
1: on the weekends, just thinking.
4: Yeah.
1: I'm going to have to feel guilty if I don't go to church, and it might just be sure. worth just going for the hour. And then, but, and, and, and I know how much she loved and adored me. So it, it goes both ways, too, for you to, as the daughter in law, to be able to, um, to not be so critical, you know.
4: Well, and, and, you know, I think one of the things that we've learned over the years is that it's not Burger King and you can't always have it your way. Um, as an example, this Christmas, my oldest son and his family who live in California joined the rest of us who all live here in Texas. And I know, I've been a mother-in-law at this point long enough to know, don't make any assumptions about how the time is going to be spent. Um, include them in that conversation. Hey, you know, we've got six days together. What are you all wanting to do? How would you like to spend our time? Um, that way there's no assumptions. You know, this, when we have those expectations, that we'll get to sort of set the tone because we're the, we're the parents, uh, they, they often will oblige us by taking the childish role, and that's sometimes pouting and complaining. But if you include them in the conversation and they say, well, we really would like to go to the maybe the candlelight service on Christmas Eve, but because our time together is so limited on Sunday, could we just have a, a big family breakfast and, and be together on that morning and kind of relax? It's, it's right after the holiday. That has helped us immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's when our expectations aren't met that we are disappointed, and so not making assumptions about them. They're adults. They are entitled to be included in the discussion of how the time will be used, and that way everyone goes home feeling like, wow, that was a great opportunity um, to all come together. Um, I think the other thing is that we tend to use ourselves as the yardstick. Do you you guys do this? If it's the way I've always done it, I think it's the way it should always be done, Mm -hmm. and If they have a different perspective, well, then I think that's wrong. And we have to step back from that and remember that different's not wrong. It's just different. Mm -hmm. And we may have to adjust those expectations. Again, I heard mothers-in-law complaining about, oh, she's a terrible cook. She doesn't know how to feed my son. She's not a very good housekeeper. I don't think she's a very disciplined mother. This is how I would have done it, or this is how I did it. We've got Mm -hmm. to put the yardstick away. The genuine yardstick is, is there Christ-like behavior reflected here? Are those kids cared for? Um, Is she spending time with them on her lap reading instead of scrubbing under the stove? What's Mm -hmm. important to us, what's important to them may not always be identical, and we have to learn to accept that.
2: Absolutely. Well, Deb, you say, I believe it's possible to have a sound relationship between women and law, even though I admit it may not always be easy And your book explores how to do it, not in our own strength or ability, but how to do it God's way by walking, not in the law, but in love. And um, you can borrow his love if need be. Well, relationships, as we know, are among our greatest challenges and our greatest gifts. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with author, keeper.
1: That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia.
2: Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to
0: stadia.cc. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on talkingnet.com. Live la bella vita. Check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com.
1: with our guest, Deb DeArmond. She is an expert in the fields of communication, relationships, and conflict resolution. She's also a writer and professional speaker. Deb focuses on topics related to women and the family, as well as business. And Deb, I just have to backtrack. Uh, in the, Earlier on in the show, you were talking about um, when you hear a mother-in-law talking about a uh, the the daughter in law not being a a good housekeeper or um, the way she's raising her children and just taking away that measuring stick and the, those high expectations and once again just coming into that relationship um, as a friend because many times uh, you don't measure your friends that way as you do with your daughter in law because it's like whoa wait a minute this is um, you know, I want you to be treating my son to the best ability. And you're right, to be able to look at the positive things that they're bringing to the table. And, and I just think that's so true because you hear of of women, even here they are in middle age and they're still talking about, oh, my mother-in-law's coming and I haven't cleaned the house yet or I haven't, you know, done yeah. uh. They're still dreading their in-laws coming.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I will tell you that an awful lot of women in that sort of 45 to 55 bracket are, are, are getting it from either end. They have a mother-in-law. They are a mother-in-law. have a daughter-in-law. And what's interesting to me, though, is that while they're complaining about their mother-in-law, they don't recognize that they're imposing some of the same kinds of things on the girl who married their son. Mm-hmm. And it's just odd to me that that doesn't sort of pop up. I married an only son. Three, three kids in the family, he is definitely his mother's favorite, his sisters will tell you that. And I will also say she looked me over a lot more carefully than she did the young man who came to call on her daughters. And it was a challenge for the first couple of years, never bad, but not, didn't feel much like family. And, and as we sort of grew together, I was very young when I married, 19, um, I asked her probably five or six years into our marriage why that had been the case. Why had she looked at me so carefully and she said, well, I knew that my, my daughters would join a family already in progress, but my son was tasked by God to lead one and that that was only going to be possible if the woman he married supported the word as the authority in their lifestyle. And so it was important to me to understand who you were. And I went, wow, one mm-hmm. smart lady. And, yeah. and I, I got it. I, I absolutely got it. I think one of the the themes in the book is that if we accept the word of God as the authority in our lifestyle, we have no choice but to work very hard to love that in-law woman in our life. We're asked to do it. The word says, pray for those who despitefully use you. And I unfortunately heard some stories about relationships that were really pretty awful. But God doesn't let us off the hook. You know where it says love one another? In my Bible, there's not an asterisk next to that that says, except for your mother-in-law or your daughter-in-law. It's period. Love one another. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you talk in your book about um, the relationship rules, and I I know that's what we're talking about right now, but um, what are some more, like, just rules that we can, uh, as we start getting these, these, the daughter-in-laws, like you said, um, I love your examples. Um, when you're in that middle spot where you're dealing with a mother-in-law, plus you have a daughter-in-law, and the same things you're complaining about with your mother-in-law, it's trickling, you're doing it to your daughter-in-law, and it's so hard to unplug and to take that measuring stick away. So what what else would you recommend?
4: Well, I, I think that communication is a really critically important component. I talked about it a little bit earlier around the holidays. Um but I think that if, if we are not willing to communicate, we're always going to struggle. I think one of the things that happens almost accidentally sometimes is the poor guy in the middle, I call him the man in the middle, the mim, he unfortunately makes it worse at times, and he does that by playing both ends against the middle. He'll say to his mother, oh, listen, I'm so sorry that you thought she was rude to you. She's not very mature. You know, I, I'm... I, I'm just embarrassed that she, that she spoke that way to you. Please, please forgive her. But to his wife, at the same time, he's saying, hey, baby, listen, my mother is one of the most difficult people on the planet. Everybody in the family knows about it. Just try and ignore it when that happens. So each woman feels like she's been vindicated. And there's mm-hmm. very little um, you know, urgency or, or initiative to try and improve the relationship because, after all, I was right. And so the man in the middle has an important role to play, and that is to stop being the carrier pigeon, stop carrying the messages. You tell your mother, and you better let your wife know. He needs to step out of that role and say, look, I love you both, and there's room for both of you in my life. I want you both in my life. And mom, I'm sorry that you were hurt by what she said. Please give Lindsay a call, or please get together with Lindsay and let her know how much it upset you um, and please try to do it in a way that doesn't create a bigger issue, but I think she would benefit by hearing how it made her feel. He needs to do the same thing with his wife. Very often, he's just trying to stay off the radar. And so I hope that some men will read the book. There are some reviews recently that have posted online by men who've said, this was a great tool to help me understand the dynamic between my, between my mother and my wife. And wow. I think that's a really big key to the process.
1: What would you suggest? I just recently had a a gal. Her her mother in law wants to go shopping with her and wants to spend time with her, and she feels that she needs the boundaries to not do those things. And it, it just it goes back to what you're saying. We have to love one another, and and you know it's like even though I know what your answer probably is going to be on this, what would you recommend for that person, that listener out there that's going, I can hardly tolerate spending time with my mother-in-law, yet
4: along go, going shopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I mean, I, you can't write a book on this topic without people coming out of the woodwork with their stories. And mm-hmm. candidly, given some of what I've heard, I can understand that perspective. I guess the most important thing is that, that there's some real clear direction in the word, and that's about um, you know honoring your, your parents. And when you marry, you get them in the bargain. And so I think it's acceptable to um, not want to be bosom buddies and best friends and let's, you know, go and do all the time. But I also think that family relationships require that we participate together. If we don't do it at any time other than the holidays or birthdays, then it's so uncomfortable and it it slants the focus in a way that's never, ever going to be positive. Um, I kind of let my girls take the, the... front seat on that. Yesterday, I went and had a pedicure with Penny. She called and said, hey, I look like I'm a Godzilla here. How about you? Do you want to go and and get pedicures? And it was a really nice time together. Um, We don't live in one another's pockets, but I do think that spending time together and some safe activities, lunch or um, maybe a a concert or a movie that you know that that your in-law would enjoy is appropriate. And even if she might not be your first choice to spend the afternoon with when you do this it honors not only your husband because he may not always like the way she behaves but he loves his mom it honors god because it is the the um, sort of the pattern for the family and so you know do all things under the lord even if that's challenging what i've discovered is that um, as women have done that they've said you know I didn't realize that she was interested in X, Y, Z. Or she shared this book with me. I really enjoyed it, and and we had a really great conversation about it. So I think that sometimes we have to make a commitment to do it, even though we might not feel like doing it, because often that's what can can change the big picture outcome.
2: Well, it's interesting because uh, my mother in law has been one of those. I mean, she's you know I I love her. And and yet it's been really kind of hard to to have a relationship. And it was it's been interesting because after all these years of being married, the other day it, it really is significant to go into the other person's story and to understand. And I, I caught her kind of at a, a very vulnerable uh, time because she's the one that. I think came from that generation that we, you don't open up and you don't reveal much. And I caught her in a moment where she was, um, I just kind of started asking questions. As you know, Patty and I love to ask questions and interview. And so I kind of, it was very, it was really a God thing. It was just very natural. And I would just start asking her questions about growing up and her childhood. And I discovered some very interesting things about even some pain in her own childhood that helped me understand her better and have empathy for her, yeah. and even understand her relationship with my husband better. Mm. And it was just going into just asking questions and going, okay, I understand you better. And I've been married for thirty-five years, and I just I discovered some things about my mother-in-law for the first time mm. because she was at a place willing to kind of open up, and it was very refreshing. Yeah. But sometimes it is difficult, and you have to wait. It may take years to get there, mm-hmm. but you know, just uh, at the right time, asking some questions, trying to understand their point of view and where they're coming from, really does help the situation.
4: I could not agree with you more. Um, so often, those first impressions are really very shallow; they they just don't go very deeply. I'll be married thirty nine years in July. I'm I am so enjoying my relationship with my mother in law, my own mother. Um, I was born late in their lives, in my folks' lives, and I lost her um, 14 years ago. My mother-in-law was young enough to be my mother's daughter, and so she's been this wonderful backup mother, and we have spent those times, just as you described. Tell me a little bit about, you know, you grew up in Connecticut. I've not spent much time on that part, in that part of the country. What was it like? And we've just really grown, uh, I think, it, not just to be friends. She's She's the first person I call after my husband if I need prayer. She's my, my champion and my cheerleader um, in this book process the last year. What's really interesting is that she discovered that she could stay very connected to her kids and her grandkids by getting on Facebook. She's 81 years old, and at 80, she said, could you show me how to use this? Mm. And so she she sends us blessings, and she shares about good news, and she passes on, you know, pictures of our kids to her friends, and it's kept her so connected. That runs so different than some of the women that I've met, especially older women who said, you know, I prefer to talk on the phone. I don't want to Facebook with my kids. I don't want to text with my kids. Well, if you want to stay in touch with them, you might have to change some of your preferred patterns in mm-hmm. order to do that, and it's been really fun watching her, watching her Facebook, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, we really do have to understand the communication style of whether it's our mother-in-law or a daughter-in-law and really go into that. If we really want to stay connected and and preserve that relationship. Well, Deb, again, we want to thank you so much for joining uh, our show today. And we have information on our, on our site at girlfriendit.com where you can learn more about you. Um, basically love builds bridges where there are none and there is always hope relationships are among our greatest challenges and our greatest gifts. And just, you know, looking at, we asked a question earlier difficult relationships. What can you do today to mend a relationship? Thanks for joining our show today. We'll be talking again.
0: Thank you for being a part of this special program Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself.